everyone, welcome back to Twin Investigation in the second episode on where we're switching it up and learning from other folks to investigating people that we know. So I'm Katiri. I'm here with my twin brother, Jonah. Jonah, how's it going? It's going real well. I am home right now in our childhood home, Rochester, New York. So it's fun to be recording in a new room. I always dreamt as a kid in this very bed that someday I'd be recording a podcast and here I am. So excited to be doing it and excited for our guest today. With us, we have another family member. Many of our listeners will surely know him. It is Uncle Rick, Rick Starpoli. How are you, Uncle Rick? Hey, doing all right. Really glad to be here. Also in Rochester, right down the street from you. I forgot you're in town. Yeah. You are a perfect guest because you've often been described as having a face for radio. Excuse me, a voice for radio. So wow. It is wow. <laughs> I've perfect. been described as both. Well done. Well done. Yes. So we're psyched to have you. And we do not know what we're talking about tonight. We invited you without knowing what topic you'll be bringing us. So per tradition, any hints for the two of us? Yes. Uh, 50% Italian, quarter Irish, quarter German. Ooh. Well, that definitely rings a bell. I would, I, <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what, uh, you know, we were always taught as kids that that was our, our mom's ancestry. I would say that's, that's yours as well. So is this somehow ancestor related? It is. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of a softball considering we're relatives, but anyway, yeah, it, it, we are talking about uh, ancestry related issues. And uh, should, I, should I tell you the angle I guess I'm coming at it from? Please, yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, as a as a, a person who actually subscribes to uh, Ancestry.com and got my results, I kind of have it in front of my face pretty frequently as I get emails, and um, I knew that there were ethical issues around it. And I was fascinated to find out what those ethical issues are. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that they they go deeper and in different directions than maybe I might have thought. Um, so we are talking about the ethical quagmire around at-home genetic testing. Dang, I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I'm really, Good. really excited to learn more about this, especially because that's something that's sort of been on my, like maybe to do list for for a long time now and i would love to hear more before i decide whether or not to do things so thank you uh -huh, that's good timing cool cool yeah all yeah. right well joan and i will will take a break and read up a little bit more about this so we can have uh, an engaged conversation and we'll we'll come back after the break and learn more about the ethics of ancestry strength of mothers ready to dive in to what really is an incredibly complicated topic. Uncle Rick, I'm so glad that you brought this up and that we can talk to you about this. And I know like for those of you who aren't, aren't uh, friends with Uncle Rick, again, I'll make the recommendation. You really should be because it's great. <laughs> but 
uh, you may not know that he has a JD and so has has law background, isn't practicing law right now, but um, I'm sure that informed in some way the ways that you're coming to this topic and the ways that you're looking at it. But I'd love to hear more about like just what inspired you to look into this and, and what were some of the avenues that you were looking at as you did the research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it really is hard to come at something, you know, once, once, you know, with the background, the law background is hard to approach something without having that come into play, of course. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not a consumer, a typical, typical consumer of anything. Uh, so when I consumed Ancestry.com, right, when I became kind of a, uh, a member of it, um, I was looking at the emails that I would get from them, uh, you know, through that lens. And um, I don't know if you know how it works, but basically I get frequent emails telling me that my ancestry has been updated, which is kind of weird to think about, mm-hmm. right? But it's true, right? So I <laughs> did, I spit in a tube a while ago, I don't know, a few years ago, and essentially every single time that they have, you know, kind of, they they, they are re-comparing that information to their database every so often or whatever right so i get notifications from them and uh i go on and take a look and sure enough my ancestry has gotten more and more and more specific maybe not more correct i don't know but more specific anyway right when you say specific does that mean like it tells you new people who you're connected to or it's just sort of like the percentages of your certain like heritages are, are slightly shifting based on other data they're getting uh the second one more than yeah the, okay. the first one the first one is incidental but um but the second one is it's creepy you know we don't have to get way into it but i will tell you that they've pinpointed my family to western new york in fact to the northern suburbs of buffalo they've also pinpointed me um as coming from not just sicily or northern northwest sicily but also from the towns in a particular area like smaller than monroe county kind of thing uh, where i live now yeah so that wasn't true when i first got the test um you know slowly i found out that maybe i have some someone from cyprus in my background i don't know but uh so that's what i mean it's that kind of stuff Okay. Well, that's fascinating. That's, that's so wild. So I think, you know, first hearing that, like, even just the words we were just using like that are like, oh, wow, amazing, impressive. It Mm. sounds on its face, just like an incredible success of um, genetic science these days. So I guess I'd like to maybe start there and just hear sort of the, the case for why is this big right now? And maybe even how big is it before we kind of flip the coin and, and look at the dark side. Um, yeah. yeah what's, what's the landscape these days. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's um, hard to get exact numbers, um, but uh, basically this year it's estimated by some people to be worldwide about a $10 million industry. Um, some estimates have put it at it's likely to be uh, $45 billion by 2024. I mean, I don't, you know, again, these are relatively reasonable sources, but um, but they, they, they're massive. There were, there were 86 different countries at least were doing uh, direct-to-consumer genetic testing. This was called GTC-GT, <laughs> direct-to-consumer genetic testing in 2016. 86 con- companies at least uh, on, online. So um, Ancestry.com is just like a, a provider. Do they like contract with a bunch of different labs or are they like one of those companies? 
they're one of those companies and there are like 85 others of those companies. Wow. The labs are actually separate. Um, so wow. yeah, so Ancestry is a provider and they subcontract to a lab called, I think, Quest Dynamics or something mm -hmm. that does the actual testing. Ancestry does all the big data analytics, et cetera. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Just for, for other <clears throat> listeners, like, I feel like Ancestry.com is a big one, 23andMe. Like, are those two that are kind of the most, like, popular? By far. Sorry. Correction. Sorry. By far in the United States. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, by far, probably among uh, the listeners of this podcast. But, um, yes, they're the most popular. Um, I, they're the only ones for which I could really get really good good numbers um but uh yeah they they own the market uh with ancestry being the biggest um uh i would say by far actually so okay thank you yeah and 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 just a little side note that i found really interesting was that the cdc says that according to their numbers i don't know who they're asking but whatever the you know genealogy has become the second most popular hobby in the united states and is the second most popular internet surfing topic and i was blown away by that and i don't think it's true because i thought i was the second most popular internet surfing topic mm. um yeah so i don't know what came in number one Wow, the clip. So yeah, yeah that, that kind of points at what I perceive as like the positive pitch of these companies, which is really just like personal interest. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. pitching some like incredible utility. Is it more just like, oh, you're curious, we've got answers? Yeah, that's exact. I mean, for most people, that's why they do it. Uh, they do it because they're fascinated by their their own background, and there there are no um, ulterior motives, uh, positive or negative, on their part. They're just you know like me. That's why I did it. Um, but but there are tons of other positives of the industry, and they love to make sure you know about it. Um, things like I mean, they got tons of press when the um, I don't know if you know the Golden State Killer, but anybody who lives in California knows the Golden State Killer. And they, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, he killed, you know, 20, at minimum of 28 people, I think it was. But, um, and it was, it wasn't Ancestry. I forgot the name of the, of the, the one that, I don't even know if it's in business anymore, but one of the companies, it was their data that made it so he was located. Pretty, pretty shocking. You know, so they love to hold that up as an example of this is, you know, the system working really well, right? This is mm -hmm. genetics doing a great thing. You know, a man was exonerated after a wrongful conviction, you know, which actually did happen. Great. You know, that's what we're doing here. Is it like the, the Golden State Killer like sent in his labs and they were like, oh, my God, you're the Golden <laughs> State Killer. <laughs> Backfire. <laughs> Backfire. And you're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it was not like that, but that would have been amazing. No, it was his relatives. That's the thing. Like they're catching yeah. it using, you know, I mean, using again, big data analytics and, and kind of just being able to, um, uh, find out all the things that, you know, relatives, uh, had in common with him. Uh, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah. the science of it. Right. Yeah. And so this kind of gets at like part of the part of the whole thing is that it's not like you're just receiving your results. Like you already uh, sort of hinted out with your question, Jonah, like there's these whole networks, these webs that are getting built out that I guess we have access to to some them in some way. But these companies also are keeping like massive databases. So, I mean, there, you know, a lot of what ends up getting talked about, like in sort of 
just like mainstream cultural around these these tests is like that it's like what are they doing with our data so that's definitely something you know like if you could touch on that just to kind of get us started it's like what what do we need to Mm -hmm. be thinking about in terms of privacy yeah yeah so i mean i think uh just uh, as we swing into that um what they are doing with our data sometimes is good stuff i mean just i'm just saying it like they the the ancestry.com you know sold a good chunk of its business and data to a pharma company that is doing research for theoretically the good of all of us right or they they're you know people are learning about about their sicknesses and all of that, right? Learning about potential for certain kinds of diseases and all that. And so the question is, how does that happen? Well, it's because of just tons of data. It's tons of privacy, therefore, issues, right? (laughs) Um, So spinning from the positive into the concerns, you know, you're looking at the privacy concerns of who owns that data? What control do I have over my own, you know, uh, that that's literally my spit that I sent in who owns that actual specimen. These aren't issues that honestly, I'm overly concerned about because of who I am, but there are many people who really have severe concerns about those actual specimens or that actual data. And there are severe legal implications, you know, um, for so like that them. framing mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. like privacy issues, you know, there's always sort of the, quick counter argument of like well i have nothing to hide so like who cares but yeah Yeah. as you kind of painted it like that that can be true and you can still be concerned about the amount of data that a company can acquire because of enough people making that individual like non-concerned condition um so yeah that's interesting were you when you when you did ancestry.com i assume you checked a box somewhere do you have any (laughs) recollection of what it said no, of course not. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course not. Um, yeah. And, and actually, the, one of the big choices that people make when they sign up for it, and I don't remember my choice. That's how kind of much I don't care about privacy. But um, one of the big choices when you sign up for any of these services is whether to also share your data for purposes of research. And if you do that, it changes how long they keep your spit. It changes what they do with your actual, you know, um, uh, not only the specimen, but the data that comes out of it. Um, and I probably checked. Yes. I don't know, but, um, yeah, big repercussions for people who, who do have privacy concerns, um, in a way that I don't. Yeah. So like, what, what are some of the other things that could be, I mean, concerns, but also just like, actually like what could be being done with the data to the extent that we're able to know that. Yeah, a big a big part of their, in fact, uh, uh, according to some uh, reading that I've done, uh, a big part of the income of these companies, uh, the income that eclipses what we pay them as consumers is selling the data. And so that it becomes third parties own that data and um, literally Ancestry and 23andMe will disclaim any control over it. They'll just simply say, yeah, sorry. Oh, that that's right. That data, we had it around here somewhere, you know, and take a look at the small print and they're doing nothing against what they told you they would do. Yeah. Even just that term, like third party, it's just so vague. And so like, <laughs> it, it's just intentionally like, yeah, there's just like, there's one party, there's a second party, <laughs> there's a third party, and they can just do whatever the heck they want um, <laughs> because they're like third or whatever. I don't know. That's just, it feels like very fishy. 
<laughs> You're exactly right. It did not. All I know is it's not me, right? Like I yep. hear third party. I'm like, that's definitely not me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and when you have so many of these third parties in life, you can imagine like the power that some of these companies would have if. Uh, you know, every time you're giving your rights to a third party, if that third party is the same party, then you can imagine, you know, they're getting your like genetic data, they're getting your browsing history, they know what phone you're checking ancestry.com on. Like it truly mm -hmm. is like your entire not just digital fingerprint anymore, but like literal genetic fingerprint in conjunction with your genetic fingerprint. I imagine how powerful that would be for like a marketing firm or something to literally know your genes. So, and that's, I, I think that's a, a powerful subject to bring up because Ancestry, for example, sells data to Google's, uh, what's literally called a research subsidiary of Google. I don't know what that means, but that's Google. Google already has a whole bunch of stuff on me. Um, so that, that, that becomes that sort of big data analytics goes to big, big, and, you know, they are um, compiling more and more data on me that they can then cross-reference. Um, that's, that's just true, right? <laughs> I just accepted that when I signed up for whatever it was I signed up for. So I do, I, I do have to bring up just almost as a reminder that when I think of the third parties here, I also think of, I go back to the positive, which is the pharma companies um, that uh, sounds weird to say. I go back to the positive, the pharmaceutical companies. Um, oh, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> but but it's true that that in theory and and the, I saw results, but um, they are using data from Twenty Three and Me and all these other companies to develop new drugs that are genetically targeted. That's pretty cool. I can't I don't really have an argument with that, right? Um, and that's a third that's, party. Yeah. That sentence still sounds scary to me, depending on who the the pharma companies are and mm -hmm. who's benefiting from them. But I but I also I hear what you're saying. If it's actually yeah. like researching what's what's gonna be beneficial for folks. Right. Um, right. And and that, you know, what I just said there as well as so much of this, it does feel like it, oh, we, I, I don't wanna lose slight of uh coming back to like profit like yeah who's profiting from mm. these things and like mm -hmm. you know how, how much can we control that what is what what ethical implications does that in particular have like not just that this is happening but that someone is is making bank um mm. can, you, can you speak at all to those dynamics oh yeah i mean again tons of money is being made by the by the actual ones who who send out the tests by ancestry and 23 and me but um uh you know that those third parties let me just give you one example that i i just found fascinating i hope everybody goes out and looks up the wikipedia article on henrietta Lacks, a woman named henrietta Lacks, l-a-c-k-s uh, she's 1950s. She was an African-American woman who had a biopsy done. And I don't know, I don't know the science behind it. I'm horrible at that kind of thing, but, um, essentially her gene line or something like that. I forget the term that they use, but basically, um, her <laughs> genetic makeup is still to this day being used. It's, it, it is like powerful DNA for the purpose of medical study. And she never was compensated. She has been, um, I mean, just studied up and down for now, how, how many decades, seven decades. And she, uh, she sued and, uh, and, uh, you know, because at the time she had no, 
um, there was no waiver, right? It was just kind of, she didn't have a right to that part of her body that they had just taken out, right? They biopsied her and they now owned it. Possession, right? So anyway, I just I looked that up at some point. It's kind of a spinoff on this topic, but oh man, was it fascinating. So Yeah, we talked about this a little bit with my students in biochemistry. We had some excerpts from uh, Immortal Life of, of Henrietta Lacks and mm. talked a little bit about how like even her, her family today or maybe like her estate or something is continuing some of these lawsuits. So mm. you can imagine how with genealogy when, yeah, this, this can continue for several generations. Um, I'm wondering, do you know of other lawsuits on on the privacy side of things? Because of course that, that was sort of medical research rather than like mm. ancestry where people gave their information like more, a little more willingly. Have there been any lawsuits or are these companies trying to um insulate themselves to any of that yeah i'm well i mean you, you know big companies are really really good at protecting themselves and and frankly it's muddy waters so i don't know that the cases would win even if the, they didn't uh have have all the resources the legal resources behind them there are cases um and they have to do with things like a sperm donor who you know gave their sperm under with an understanding that they were going to be, you know, protected uh, from revelation. And sure enough, next thing you know, they have 10 to however many children uh, contacting them based on things like 23andMe. Um, and so there have been lawsuits. Um, I didn't dive into for the purpose of this conversation, um, the, the actual lawsuits themselves. All I know is there is a lot of legal action around that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what recourse somebody has because of unintended consequences of, you know, their actions, right? Well, yeah, I think probably echoing what you're about to say, it's huge. It feels like the type of yeah. case that could find its way to the Supreme Court just like in, in the next decade where we just need a benchmark ruling on how these types of cases should be adjudicated, which is, yeah, maybe coming soon. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. It, and this is, again, a very current, right? Like you said, it's kind of the, the time is right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these all these privacy concerns sort of form one category of, of the ethical considerations around ancestry testing. But some of the articles you sent like started to hint at, at some other categories or, or at least like certain anecdotes that don't quite fall under the privacy category. So what are some of the other things that, that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, some of these are more interesting to me. Uh, like I said, I'm not a too private a guy, but like for example, if I found out, and just in a you know hypothetical scenario, I found out that uh, you know I had a predisposition to one particular kind of cancer, right? And people do; they find these things out. My insurance company can ask to know that. Now, depending on where you are and what country you live in, etc., uh, you're, you're generally protected. Uh, from having to disclose it on forms, um, but they can still ask. And what that means is if you don't know your rights, you're still going to answer sometimes. So um, they are allowed to ask whether you've had a genetic test, their test, they're allowed to ask uh, for the results. Um, and uh, you can say no, generally in the United States, you can say no, but uh, that question is still out there they think they have a right to know and kind of do they ethically <laughs> considering they're insuring you theoretically mm. i don't know that is muddy Woo. yeah it's like you have a pre-existing condition you you know your your great grandpa had this <laughs> disease <laughs> that you never knew about 
<laughs> exactly. So I don't know. That's just one thing. Another one is um, a big one is people having operations or, or going through treatments that they probably shouldn't uh, bother with or that, you know, basically when they get, when you get back results, I didn't pay for this, but one of the levels of results you can get is the full workout, uh, work, work up on your, your health and your, um, you know, health concerns for the future and all this stuff. And there is a position called a genetic counselor that people recommend uh, that you go to, uh, you know, that, that you speak with at, you know, if you're going to get these kinds of results, it's that and or your primary care physician, somebody should talk with you about how to deal with your results. Because, you know, you're being given information on your propensity to, you know, uh, become an addict, uh, or you're, you know, uh, likely to have heart disease. That doesn't mean you should necessarily change what you're doing. It means you should talk more about it. That makes a lot of sense. The big one is, is, is um, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, Many, many women have had um, uh, mastectomies, um, uh, you know, with absolutely zero sign of disease, zero sign of cancer in their bodies, um, but, uh, you know, either partial or full mastectomies as a result of um, having received news that they have a particular genetic marker. So that's, that's, there are many concerns in the medical community that this genetic testing is causing uh, some real unnecessary fear and also therefore action. Hmm. And we're sort of taking for granted that these are accurate. I mean, we started at the beginning by saying these are direct to consumer genetic tests. They're not going through necessarily, you know, primary care physicians, doctors, other types of specialists. So what's your perception from some of this research of accuracy? Like, do you think we should consumers can trust what they're getting or what's the landscape there? Yeah, in in general, there aren't um there. It gets a little bit more technical than I can get that than I can understand, right? So every time I started to dive into that sort of that angle on it, uh, I kept running into the roadblock of not being smart enough. But whatever, I'm used to that. So <laughs> so so basically, what I was gleaning from it is that in general they appear to be relatively reliable. Right. Uh, to the extent that they are testing something that um, that's testable. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, right now, if I tried to uh, find out how much of my heritage was from a particular part of the world, I might be able to do that. But if they don't have the data on this other part of the world, right, if they don't have the data on uh, my ancestry in, um, you know, Middle Asia, okay, well, then that's going to be an incomplete test. It's going to, they, they aren't working with the right tool. So it's that, it's that kind of limitation that I saw more than it might be a medically inaccurate test. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess I assume it would be in their interest to play up the places where they are certain. So I guess I would hope, but maybe I'm not too confident that these companies would be like really transparent about just telling you, oh, results inconclusive. Like no one wants to sign up and pay for a source that just tells them that on the things they care about. So yeah, you know, I'd be worried that there's a a pressure on them. Mm. Try and be more certain, come off as more certain than they are about things that really affect people. Yeah. Yeah, good call. When I look at the third-party um, articles, I'm not seeing 
as much concern about uh, about efficacy of or accuracy actually of the uh, the testing itself. It so it's one of those um, that that seems to be almost. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not saying perfect. What I'm saying is that isn't the primary concern of people who are looking at this uh, and with, with 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 questioning eyes. I mean, I guess that is some comfort in some way, like that you know there it would be like great to think that whatever we are getting at least it is has a degree of accuracy um especially given yeah that, that people there's there are so many risks involved um that's like oh there is some there's consumer benefit in some way too i think one of the other things that kind of related to this what you were just saying about like unnecessary treatments and like just the the value of having a medical professional on hand like it also seemed like there were some potentially like emotional or psychological effects that could be beneficial, like really exciting news that you could receive, but also hmm. like really like difficult to deal with or even like traumatic news. So like, mm. you know, are, what are kind of considerations that people might need to take or like that the industry uh, might need to think about when hmm. um, delivering these results to folks? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, and for the record, uh, the ones that I looked into, again, just Ancestry and, and 23andMe, uh, they do offer, um, you know, and, and they actually suggest that people, um, uh, you know, get counseling, use a genetic counselor specifically, but also, um, you know, I, I mean, just, just they have all sorts of warnings, right? And that we are a community here for you, right? And some of it's lip service. But uh, so so they do recommend that. The fact is, when people get news, it, it's the stuff about you aren't who you thought you were. It's that kind of news that really is the shocking stuff. And I didn't see much mention on on the sites about that, about mm -hmm. like finding out that that's not your father. Uh, like that's the stuff that just that you know. I don't think that they know what to advise you on. They don't want to advertise on their website that that's even a possibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So the self-care thing is not something that they focus on in that way. They talk about the physical health and getting getting good counseling afterwards about what to do with the physical stuff. But man, if I found out that I was, you know, adopted uh, because of a 23andMe test, you know, I, I'd be absolutely, you know, devastated and wouldn't know. Like, I'm not related to Jonah and Katiri. What? Mm. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine the pain? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, but realistically, like if I found out that news and did and hadn't surrounded myself with good people and, you know, have a counselor on hand or whatever, right? Um, yeah. It's dangerous, truly dangerous. Mm. I'm curious to get at a bigger question about cost, but uh, maybe a quick hitter first. What are the prices on, let's say, Ancestry.com? Like what are, what are the pay scales that you can choose from yeah I, I forget what what price point we hit because they're they're on special frequently they run you know mother's day specials and <laughs> uh right uh they tie it into that uh-huh um they they do that kind of thing all the time so you can get them for under a hundred dollars like 99 dollars okay. um is probably as low as i've seen them um but that's that doesn't include membership just to let you know you got to have membership mm. um yeah yeah so member you know is so something like 170 uh plus 29 dollars a year is uh, a relatively typical ancestry.com membership 
Okay. And then that, that gets you like the special room at the airport. <laughs> it's exactly right. I yeah, see. exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that, that's interesting to know because one thing I, I was thinking about, as you mentioned, like, you know, they recommend, oh, like you should see a counselor after you get this bad news or, oh, you should make sure you're talking to your PCP or, oh, you should probably see this specialist because of your predisposition. Mm-hmm. Like this just mm-hmm. raises off and certainly mm-hmm. also raises some questions about like, who are the people that can do this and mm-hmm. what what effects does that have on like access to this technology is there for all the benefits we did kind of lead with are those resigned just to this like privilege genetic elite. Yeah. Thankfully it's not priced at a point where, where it completely counts out everybody. Right. And, and, uh, but I will tell you that all I did was look at, again, the two that are us based ancestry.com and 23 and me that, but they're quite in, international it's just they're only international in a particular way so i'm going to tell you the statistics that i found uh 23 and me ships to about 50 countries depending on how you count they were counting strange like u.s virgin islands as a separate country but whatever (laughs) other than u.s and canada it was all eu states uh and singapore and hong kong that was it Ancestry was all U.S., Canada, and the only two that I would say are not, uh, you know, non-Hispanic white majority were um, Turkey and Mexico. That's it. So, so what this means is that you know uh, the reach is such that you know I can get amazing data. I I've got ridiculous. You know, my relatives are nearly all, if not all, in those areas that are covered pretty well meaning my data is good. I thought, yeah, I can go down to the county level in, in Sicily, right? Because Sicil- because Sicilians are doing it too. Mm. That's a big part of it. I was shocked to find out that there are, you know, these companies are buying data from each other in many cases because one company has real good coverage in, you know, Japan. And so a country like, or a company like Ancestry can buy data from Japan. Um, and therefore expand its reach. It doesn't test in Japan. It doesn't send tests to Japan, but it can actually buy data. So sometimes these third-party companies we're talking about are actually just other <laughs> genetic testing companies. <laughs> Crazy. So there, it seems like there's, like what what you're saying is like there's a real, there's inequity in the the like lay of the land, literally in terms of where like data is concentrated. And I'm guessing, but would love your confirmation that they're not really upfront about that. Like, do you think that most of these companies market as if they have worldwide distribution of data and instead it's so concentrated, like, like you said? Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Uh, and they, um, they're marketing partly to people in the U.S. who have heritage outside of the U.S., who have, who have ethnicity from outside of the, you know, ancestry from outside of the U.S. So they, they need to convince the U.S. market that probably has, uh, is of Asian descent um, to spend money. How are they going to, you know, get them to spend money if they don't have the data to match from back in, in Japan, right? Yeah. It is. It's. It's. Uh, there are other country, you know, companies that specialize in different parts of the world. So again, I'm. Not, I'm just talking about the two that were in the United States, but they are by far the biggest. The biggest companies out there. Well, yeah, that's kind of that's concerning, and also I can see how, for them, it's like 
they need to get more or they feel that they need to get more people from other parts of the world so that they can bulk up their data. But in the meantime, it means that they're not really giving like necessarily accurate information while they're trying to get people in the database. Is that is that how it's kind of working, you think? That's totally true. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Okay. And the and the other angle on that uh, that concerns me even more is, you know, when I hear about these, I don't know, they're 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 doing crazy you know, um, uh, use of this data for purposes of medical advances, right? Great. So who's getting the benefit of all of that? It is all of the ethnicities or, or races or ancestries that, you know, that can afford this testing. So if, you know, if we, as, you know, Italian Americans or whatever, I hate that term, but anyway, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, if, if we are buying all these tests, then guess what we're getting? We're getting all the benefit of Ancestry contracting with GlaxoSmithKline, the the pharmaceutical company or whatever. And uh, that's not exactly, that benefit isn't flowing to, you know, Americans with African descent or Asian descent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also curious, like around this, yeah, kind of the the topic of just different like global concentrations of, of data and people, like how... Are, are there ways that like this kind of data or lack thereof is being used for or against people like, you know, people with minority ethnicities in this country or mm. uh, people from like the global majority? Like how how is that kind of like, are there other ways in which that's playing out and and mm. showing different forms of like disadvantage or inequity? Yeah, uh, actually, there's sort of a when I call it a quagmire or, you know, like the ethical issues around this are really complicated and specifically around migration because mm. DNA testing is actually being used to help a lot of displaced or, uh, you know, nationless uh, people, people who, who essentially have been either disowned by their home country or who needed to flee their home country and the United States or the UK or Canada says, you need to prove that you're from the right displaced group. Wow. Um, yeah. There, uh, right now, this is, uh, talk about an emerging uh, law area. Um, they are trying to figure out, they being all those comp- you know, uh, governments I just mentioned, are trying to figure out Look, when somebody comes in front of us and says that they are Somali and therefore are a particular class of, of you know, uh, entrant into the United States or into Canada, right? They, what if they're lying? <laughs> uh, you know, that's the big, that's where it all comes down to. What if we, what if we want to uh, say, no, you aren't from Somalia. Uh, we want to place you in a different country and therefore disclaim uh, your migration. All of that stuff is happening. It's actually happening right now. There's so much room for abuse, certainly. Um, we, we've hinted at some of the, the dystopia that could evolve from some of this. Um, I'm mm. so interested to hear where both of you fall on this, but I, I think maybe something that would help me first is to try and think about like best case, worst case scenarios. So perhaps, Uncle Rick, you can fill us in, like, let's say, on, on any given timeline you want, five years, 10 years, 20 years or something. Mm. what's the worst direction this goes from your research? Mm. What's the best direction this goes? And then maybe we can get into some of where, where we all seem to be falling. Mm. Yeah. I think the best case scenario is, um, you know, that genetic testing ends up um, uh, helping many people who have been displaced 
because actually that is part of what's happening from a migration perspective. Um, stateless people um, are actually essentially being proven to have a state. Um, and from a, I don't, I don't know international law, but so, so from, from a best case scenario perspective, fast forward several years, uh, and we have DNA as a readily accessible tool to help somebody who says, I need to prove that I'm from here, right? Right now, it's still not readily accessible, but sometimes it is given at gover government expense. Um, but the worst case scenario for me is just what it, it just looms. Um, anytime we're talking about <laughs> genetic testing, I can't help but, uh, you know, uh, go back about one century and, and uh, to, to a time when all of this was being essentially uh, tested uh, under the world of eugenics um, and, and just kind of, mm. uh, you know, what, what is it about the DNA that we are going to start using to discriminate against people? Yep. What is it about a people's, you know, uh, makeup that we're going to start proving using their genetic makeup? Uh, proving in quotes, of course. So my worst case scenario is national boundaries start getting drawn um, nationalistically uh, and more strictly. Particularly, I'm concerned about Europe because there are already plenty of signs of that. Um, but that's only because they have much more access to, to DNA testing. I would be just as concerned about Africa if I thought they had as many tests Um Anyway, that's the worst case scenario is we start to head in that direction of eugenics and of nationalism heightened by DNA. That is scary and feels, you know, not, uh, unfortunately, not out of the realm of possibility in, in basically any way, given what we know about mm. how this world operates. Um, mm. I also was wondering, you know, we didn't get into this and it, it, it doesn't seem like we'll be able to in a really deep way, but I always have like questions and concerns about like AI and just like tech world right now, partially because I know so little about it. I don't know if either of you would be able to speak to this, but to me that feels like it plays into like my fear of a worst case scenario that there's some just <laughs> like wild and, and like evil AI company could get a hold of like everyone's <laughs> little jars of spit and just start cloning them and turning all into zombies you know is that you know that's my that's where my worst case scenario goes but anyone, anyone want to speak to the real the realistic uh nature of that jonah you're you know these things yeah well i don't know if i can be too uh, optimistic on that because i think what i might add by way of some nuance is that i'm not even sure it would require anyone or anything evil like i think there are many ai scenarios where it's just misaligned with what we want it to do with genetic data we don't necessarily even need like programmers who are hoping to use it nefariously True. but just not giving it good instructions for how we want it to manipulate and use genetic data it's just yeah more more information that a a really generally intelligent system could have to you know, misunderstand what we're hoping it to do with all that data. So it just gives, yeah, just adds a little bit more fuel to the the potential fire. It feels like maybe, maybe a lot bit more fuel because the whole new it's categorically different fuel. <laughs> Man, you two are dark. Yeah, I, I went with worst case scenarios like, and then I got a boo boo, and you were like, death. But um, <laughs> to, so to society, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what we do 
So oh, Katira, man. You, you said at the outset that you were or had been considering doing this some sort of ancestry test. Has this moved the needle? Are you more or less inclined to do something like this now? Well, it's definitely moved the needle like all over the place. It's been, you know, going back and forth all throughout the conversation, I would say. I definitely want to think more about it. I'm not, I, it's, I think that most of what we talked about in general felt like risks or um, like detriments of the of this whole system. So I don't think like I'm more inclined to do it. There's also, we didn't talk about this, but there's an article that came up in one of your links, Uncle Rick, that is from the CDC from a few years ago called Think Before You Spit. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I might check that out and, and kind of try to get some more information. But I also, I mean, I, I kind of, I also want to say that uh, it's a benefit for me as as someone who's in your like line of ancestry, Uncle Rick, that you know this. So it makes me feel at least like, I can gain some of the benefit without having to go through some of the risks myself. Um, even though we don't have the same genetic makeup, it's it's mm. helpful that we can use each other's information to at least learn some things um, that mm. we wouldn't know otherwise. So I'm I'm grateful for that, even though I'm overall just like sitting with a lot of the messiness and potential mm. like pit, pitfalls of this this you know billion dollar industry that is ever growing right now so yeah yeah it's a lot it's a lot to think about yeah um and uh i i actually hope you do do it by the way um i'm, okay. I'm rooting i'm rooting for it but i'll just uh, also be here if you ever want to talk through it um i'm yeah. curious yeah jonah you be my, oh, you yeah. be my on-call counselor <laughs> yes i'll give you your genetic counselor <laughs> That what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Thank Somehow you. I'm pretty darn sure we're related. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jonah, have you done it? Or are you thinking about doing it? Have not done it. Um, you know, it hasn't been like front of my mind, like, oh, I've almost done it a few times and haven't quite yet. I'm guessing this is gonna push me in that direction because I've had my phone in the room, so now it's gonna target ad me for 23andme.com. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll probably cave but i don't know i'm really torn because it's one of those feel sort of tragedy of the commons where i don't feel any personal risk if i do this i create an account i send them some spit get some data back like i, I really struggle to imagine the scenario where um something horrible befalls me by doing mm -hmm. that but i also mm -hmm. like we just spent 35 minutes talking about like systemic issues and it's, yeah it feels like you know similar to something like choosing to drive my car somewhere like that is just objectively a benefit for me but at the same time like i can very much sit in the dissonance of that does not feel like a good thing for everybody to be doing so mm. i'm torn yeah yeah i understand so maybe I i'll make also... Kateri do it <laughs> yeah right there you go <laughs> i was just thinking that thing we'll flip a coin um <laughs> i was just thinking too like uh, i i you know when we opened this topic and you said like 50 percent italian and like we're going through these things and ancestry the first word that came to mind like for a long time in my life that that word was just associated with like ancestry.com and that's probably true for a lot of people but i also don't want to skip over the fact that like even in part of this, uh, in some episodes of our podcast, like ancestry has come up in other ways in terms of like familial yeah. history telling and like storytelling and learning about one's like cultural traditions from the people who 
remember it or store you know like stories and um i yeah. i guess i in my perhaps my closing would just be to say that i'm not necessarily more inspired to like do an ancestry.com test but i definitely am feeling grateful for the like built-in benefit to my life which not not everyone has but that i do have people who you know like grandpa who remember stories from uh and and have worked on like handwritten family trees of of where our our people came from so i definitely yeah. feel inspired to just do this kind of um deep diving into my own history without the necessarily like coming into the the industry in this particular way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It it actually does. Uh, they they say in in uh, um in ancestry they they have um a term for uh, called community, and it's talking about finding your community, and mm. I f I find it to be a little bit problematic. Um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of comforting. By the way, so I I try I try to fight my instinct to be snarky or or whatever. You know what I mean? And just be like, you know what? Yeah, that that is my community. Uh, it's pretty mm. cool, you know. Yeah. Well, Uncle Rick, are there are there any other takeaways that that you'd like to share with us or with listeners before we close out? I, I what I really want to share, I like sharing my ancestry. It's pretty funny. I actually I have the report, and I'm eager to send it to the two of you because I'm close to you, and I like people near me having this piece of me. And mm. uh, so I just wanted, I guess, to say that the benefits of it. Uh, for me, include just simply having this and being able to therefore share it um, and and talk through it with people. Um, so we, pur I purposely didn't keep circling back to my own ancestry, my actual report today, but but I wanted to because it's kind of cool. <laughs> so I guess that's my last little bit. Is uh, you may find some comfort in it, may find a community, may, you may find that it's also just a topic of conversation with your with your elders, uh, etc. So. I can't uh, enjoy wait to check it. that out. Thank you so yeah. much. That's cool. Yeah, I'll send it along. Yeah, good. Well, thank you so much, Uncle Rick. This was a very exciting, complicated, and just like enriching topic. So I'm glad that you brought it to us. We'll definitely, it's one of those things that like, it's only probably going to get bigger. We're only mm -hmm. going to be thinking about it more. And so it's good to be having all these questions and considerations on the table right now. So mm -hmm. if other listeners would like to let us know if you have experience with any kind of tests like this, or if you have thoughts, we would always love to engage with folks after the episode is aired. And um, thank you again, Uncle Rick. We appreciate yeah. you. I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next time. Good luck with everything in the meantime. The taking. Who am I to stand and wonder to wait while the wheels of fate?